I'd like to welcome everyone here uh, uh, to the uh, church this morning, Hoover Church. Uh, we want to thank uh, everyone who uh, made it here this morning, especially our visitors. Uh, if you're visiting here, we want you to know that you are our honored guest. We're so thankful and proud that you decided to come here and worship with us this morning. Uh, please, uh, when at the end of our service, please don't run out of the door if you're visiting. Uh, hang around the back for just a minute for just a minute or two and allow us to shake your hand and welcome you uh, in, in the way that we are known to do here at uh, the Hoover Church. This morning we're going to be taking a look at the book of Zephaniah for a brief moment and we're going to look at it from the perspective of where, are, where we are as individuals and, and our personal relationship with God. You know, thinking about uh, uh, modern day uh, occurrences and what's going on in the world today, uh, I know that uh, our children are bombarded daily with a lot of ideas uh, in their school environment. In fact, political correctness has pretty much become the gospel for many people. And when we, when we think about that and we think about the world of political correctness, those who subscribe to it completely and wholeheartedly perhaps take it as the gospel fact. But we, we sometimes, uh, as we do that, uh, we tend to get off track from specifically what God wants us to do. Not that the fact that political correctness and all of the tenets that's mentioned in it is incorrect. In fact, some of those things and ideals are very, very good. But when our society moves us away from God, we may want to take a closer look at that because I think that sometimes we get off track and we creep into what uh, I like to call a cycle of sin just from accepting the norms in society. And when we creep into a, a, a cycle of sin and it becomes the norm for us, then we become affixed to a way of thinking and perhaps even behaving that is contradictory to God's word. Therefore, it's necessary for us to take a personal inventory, daily inventory of our lives, so to make certain that we are following God's plan and not man's plan. That's our grand ultimate goal. So then I'll say as we prepare for a moment of silence, I just want to remind us that the problems of life, they really can be many. Most of the times the problems that we face uh, are really self-induced. 
So therefore, it's necessary for us to take a personal uh, inventory and analyze our lives and be honest with ourselves. And if we're honest with ourselves, we'll see that every now and then we need to move back towards God and subscribe wholeheartedly to his principles. And with that, I want us to just now take a moment of silence, if we can, and reflect upon our lives and the things that we're doing that perhaps may not be pleasing to God. Let us pray. Jehovah God, we come before you as humbly as we know how. Thank you so much for life. We know full well that we do not deserve to be here. And we're thankful that you allowed us to open our eyes and see this wonderful day that you've made. Heavenly Father, we come before you now asking you to forgive us when we do things that aren't pleasing to you. We ask you, Heavenly Father, to renew in us a spirit, a spirit of godliness, a spirit of holiness, and a spirit of forgiveness. We ask you now, Heavenly Father, to watch over those among us who are traveling at this time, that you will grant them traveling grace as they go where they have to go and do what they have to do. We thank you so much for your darling son, Jesus, who made the ultimate sacrifice on our behalf. We thank you so much for all you've done. We realize that we're not worthy, and we just ask that you will be with us, help us, and guide us through this thing called life. Again, Heavenly Father, we need you to bless the worship service this morning. We're praying that our worship to you this morning will be pleasing and acceptable in your sight and that you will allow each and every one of us as we move through this service to be renewed, revived, and reinvigorated to serve you with more vigor and more gusto. Thank you so much for all you've done and thank you so much for the leadership here. And we ask that you continue to guide us. In Jesus' name, amen. Good morning, church. If you would please stand for the reading of God's word. This morning, our uh, text will be from Zephaniah chapter 1, verses 2 through 18. I will utterly sweep away everything from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will sweep away man and beast. I will sweep away the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea and the rubble with the wicked. I will cut off mankind from the face of the earth, declares the Lord. I will stretch out my hand against Judah and against all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off from this place the remnant of Baal and the name of the idolatrous priests along with the priests. Those who bow down on the roofs 
to the host of the heavens, those who bow down and swear to the Lord and yet swear by Milcom, those who have turned back from the following of the Lord, who do not seek the Lord or inquire of him. Be silent before the Lord God, for the day of the Lord is near. The Lord has prepared a sacrifice and consecrated his, his, his guests. And on the day of the Lord's sacrifice, I will punish the officials and the king's sons and all who array themselves in foreign attire. On that day, I will punish everyone who leaps over the threshold and those who fill their, their master's house with violence and fraud. On that day, declares the Lord, a cry will be heard from the fish gate, a wail from the second quarter, a loud crash from the hills. Well, O inhabitants of the mortar, for all the traitors are no more. All who weigh out silver are cut off. At, at that time, I will search Jerusalem with lamps, and I will punish the men who are complacent, those who say in their hearts, The Lord will not do good, nor will he do ill. Their goods shall be plundered, and their houses laid waste. Though they build houses, they shall not inhabit them. Though they plant vineyards, they shall not drink wine from them. The great day of the Lord is near, near and hastening fast. The sound of the day of the Lord is bitter. The mighty man cries out aloud there. A day of wrath is that day, a day of distress and anguish, a day of ruin and devastation, a day of darkness and gloom, a day of clouds and thick darkness, a day of trumpet blasts, and a battle cry against the fortified cities and against the lofty battlements. I will bring distress on mankind so that they shall walk like the blind because they have sinned against the Lord. Their blood shall be poured out like dust and their flesh like dung. Neither their silver nor their gold shall be able to deliver them on the day of the wrath of the Lord. In the fire of his jealousy, all the earth shall be consumed. For a full and sudden end, he will make all of the inhabitants of the earth. Good morning. 528 will be our first song this morning. We'll sing together. We'll sing verses 1, 2, and 4. 528. I know that my Redeemer lives. Let us sing. I know that my Redeemer lives.
Psalm before opening prayer will be 395. 395. We'll sing all three verses and then we'll have our opening prayer. I traveled down a lonely road and no one seemed to care. The burden on my
God in prayer. Our Father in heaven, we are so thankful that we are here today. We're thankful, Father, that we have the opportunity to be called uh, your children. We're thankful, Father, for the opportunity we have to be a part of this congregation of your people. And we're thankful, Father, for the works that are going on in your name here at this place. We're so humbled, Father, to uh, be able to approach your throne of grace. Uh, we recognize, Father, that uh, there are uh, there are times when we uh, we are we're less than we ought to be, and we're, there's times when we need to uh, truly look in inward and reflect upon our lives and and uh, take that time to uh, to correct those things that may be amiss. Uh, we may delve into your word to learn more about your word and your will for our lives, and uh, we work uh, harder and harder each day to conform our life uh, to your will and to your word. We're mindful, Father, of so many of our number who are suffering from illness. Uh, we're especially mindful of uh, all of those who um, we uh, have listed in our care lines. We pray, Father, that you continue to be with Corey as uh, his mother is uh, uh, in the condition she's in. And we pray, Father, that you would be with him and, and be with his family during this time. We pray, Father, that you'd be with all those who are, are so listed. We come to times in our lives, Father, that we are confronted with difficulties and hard, hardships and especially those times of sickness and, and heartache. We pray, Father, that, uh, uh, that you would comfort uh, each and every one uh, even during this time. Uh, we pray, Father, that you be Brother Tippins this morning as he stands before us to uh, proclaim a portion of your word. We pray, Father, that you would give him a ready recollection of those things that he's prepared. And, and Father, allow him to say those things that we need to hear that we might be builded up uh, in the most holy faith. And we pray, Father, that we might hear those things that are said and those things that, uh, and apply them to our lives and, and, and put those things to practice. And we pray, Father, that we might be better for having been here uh, today. Uh, we're thankful, Father, for uh, Chuck as he stands before us from week to week. And we pray, Father, that you'd give him uh, uh, grace and comfort during this week. Uh, give him the strength to be able to proclaim uh, your word in the meeting that he's engaged in. And we pray, Father, that uh, there would be good success uh, from his efforts as he's away from us. Now, Father, we pray that you would be with us through the furtherance of our worship service. Uh, God, guard and protect us. And, Father, we pray that uh, when our time comes to end the walks, here among men, that we might hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Christ's name, amen. Now let's sing 318. 318. We want to prepare our minds for the Lord's Supper this morning. Our precious Savior as he died on the cross for us. And we want to sing this song, verses 1 and 2. And let's sing this song very softly and reverently. Oh, sacred head, now
As we prepare to take the Lord's Supper today, uh, one of the thoughts I was thinking about last night was growing up, I grew up in a, a family that was farmers. Uh, my grandparents farmed, actually my mama and papa, my mom and dad always had a garden. And one of the things about a garden is, is when you plant it, you have to first go till it. And after you put the seed in the ground, you have to work the garden. You actually have to go and hoe on it to keep some weeds out of it. Because if you've ever had a garden or you ever done some farming, what's well, the first thing that happens? Everybody can relate to this that's done that and got down and worked in a, in a um, field. Grass will start coming up. And if you let that grass stay too long, what's going to happen? It's going to be more grass. And the roots of those grass is going to get a lot deeper. Let one weed come up, and that will continue to grow, get bigger and bigger. When you go to pull it out, the root system up under it actually starts getting big to where it starts causing some harm. In the same way, you know, when we take a look at our lesson that we're going to hear today, we have a lot of problems in our lives. There are many, and some of them are self-induced. And if you don't work your farm, your problem with your crop is going to be self-induced. In John 15, verses 1 through 5, it says, I am the true vine, and my father is a vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away, and every branch that he does bear fruit, he prunes, that it may bear more fruit. Already, you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me, not in him, he is that that bears much fruit. From apart from me, you can do nothing. The Bible says that God is the gardener of our life. And we need to abide in his word and stay in his word so that as these issues crop up in our life, we have something to fall back on, to reflect on, to get us closer to him. Also, if you think about it, for vegetables to grow, it takes a lot of work because weeds grow a lot quicker than the vegetables do. Weeds will crop up in your life and take root very quickly. It takes work to actually grow a garden to get the vegetables to grow. Fruit trees. Guess what happens with fruit trees? They actually do better when what? They are together. In the same way, we're together here today as a family. We're part of that same orchard. And as we get ready to take the communion, I want us to reflect on Matthew 26, verse 26. It says, now 
As they were eating, Jesus took the bread, and after blessing it, he broke it and gave it to his disciples and said, Take and eat, for this is my body. We're all part of the body of Christ when we have put on, put on Christ in baptism. And we are all made better when we come together and have an opportunity to reflect together. Problems in life are many. But this is an opportunity to weed out, put aside some of those things that's causing distractions to you. And focus on what Christ has done for you and has done for this body. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Thank you so much for giving us your word, a guidance to help us through life that we can follow to constantly weed out all the distractions and the things that cause us problems. And Father, help us to use this moment as we come together to break this bread to reflect on the sacrifice that was given on your behalf. The sacrifice it's the only thing that gives us opportunity for eternal life. Father, help us to be grateful for that. Help us to understand that we're better as a group and that we produce more fruit when we're together and we can be stronger together as a body. Father, thank you for loving us. Thank you for taking care of us. In Christ's name, amen.
verse 27, Matthew 26. And he took the cup, when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink it all, drink, drink of it, all of you, for this is my blood from the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. Let us pray. Lord, thank you so much for the ultimate sacrifice that was given for us. For the, the blood that was shed on the cross, it was poured out. That was poured out to cover us from all our sinful ways. Father, thank you for for this body that represent here at Hoover and the fellowship we have one another in that body, that we may they use this time to to weed out all the the many distractions in our lives and to focus on the fact that we are here to worship you and lift you up and be thankful for the sacrifice that was given to us. In Christ's name, amen.
Matthew 6, verses 25-34. We're going to read about being anxious for nothing. See, the act of giving reminds us that we live by the grace of God, just like the birds and the flowers, which we're about to read about. Verse 25, it says, Therefore I tell you, do be anxious about nothing in your life, what you shall eat, or what you shall drink, or about your body, what you shall put on. For is life not more than food, and in body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air, neither they sow nor do they reap, nor, nor gather into barn, but yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not more valuable than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can give a single hour of, to a span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow, neither do they toil nor do they spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothed the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is sown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O ye of little faith, therefore be anxious, saying, What shall I eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things. And your heavenly Father knows you have need of them all. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things will be added unto you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow, for tomorrow will be anxious of itself, sufficient for the days of its own trouble. Those creations that we read about, the lilies, the birds, they don't have to worry about their future, and neither should we, because God is going to take care of you. See, giving offers us a way to express our confidence that God will take care of us, just like he takes care of the sparrow and the lilies of the field. I was talking to the class downstairs that's preparing to go to Tanzania, and, and we was talking about the fact that um, looking at the widow and the two mites and how she gave it all. In Tanzania, an uh, average person earns $5 a day for 10 days, 10 hours of hard labor. $5 in the U.S. But yet, on Sunday morning, when the communion plate is passed, the, the giving has been passed around. And you watch people put money into the plate. Some give quite a bit compared to what they make. And I just use the example of 200 shillings, which I often see even some smaller children give. It's a big deal to them. That 200 shillings that they just gave up, which might be the equivalent of five cents, that was the difference between them riding public transportation for three or four miles down the road and not. So that means that when they dropped it in the plate, more than likely they committed themselves that day that one day a week they're going to walk to where they're going. 
See, they believe that God's going to take care of them, just like he takes care of the grass of the fields and the birds of the air. God's going to take care of them. He's going to take care of you too. Let's pray. Lord, we love you. Thank you so much for loving us. Father, thank you so much for taking care of all our needs. Father, help us to never be anxious in anything, not to be caught up in all the worries of this life. Because there's many different things in this world that cause us distractions. But Father, help us to always remember that you're going to take care of us. You're going to provide for our needs. And Father, as we give back to you today, help us to remember that as we give, that all we are doing is giving back what belongs to you. And no matter what situation we're in in life, we don't have to worry because just like the birds in the air and the grass, you will be there to protect us and take care of us. Father, we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Christ's name, amen. Nine hundred seven will be the song of encouragement at the proper time. Nine hundred seven, and the song before the lesson. Four hundred sixty-nine. Four hundred sixty-nine. We'll sing all three verses of this song together. I'm going to ask you to please stand as we sing. Thank you. In camp along the hills of light, the Christian soldiers rise and press the battle. 
Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stand in the path of sinners, or sit in the seat of the scornful. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and this he meditates day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by rivers of waters that brings forth fruit in season, and his leaves will not wither. Therefore, the ungodly will not stand and sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish. I am again excited and thankful to be standing before this fine congregation. Thank you so much for the elders and the deacons and leaders here to give me this opportunity. And reflecting upon our title this morning, look at the mess we've made. Look at the mess we've made. And as I said uh, in our introduction this morning, uh, political correctness has pretty much become a fixed in the minds of many of us. It's a thing that's being taught in school and I, I, I'm concerned about it uh, uh, to a great deal, to a great extent, if you will. I have youngsters that are in school, and some of the things that are being taught in that format uh, are in direct contradiction to the Word of God. And I know that as they get ready to move off and go into college, they're going to be bombarded with a lot of those things. Some of those things that are taught, the tenets within some of those things, uh, will certainly lead our young people and even us away from God. And in that confusing message, uh, our children sometimes, and sometimes perhaps even we ourselves, can have a mixed message and get off track with respect to God's word. It's kind of like 
If you uh, think about a sailor who is on the vast ocean, uh, if he sets his compass one degree off and he continues for a short distance, it doesn't make much difference. However, in the long run, you will be completely off course. Zephaniah was dealing with some people in the course of time in the divided kingdom where a lot of mixed messages and things that pulled the people away from God had continued for a long time. So if you, take a, if you remember what was uh, cited in uh, the scripture reading, you'll see that there were some pagan worship going on in the uh, city of Jerusalem and in Judea. And around in that area, there were some things that took people completely off track. And perhaps over the course of time, the people had no idea what God truly wanted or expected of his people. Zephaniah seems to me as if he just came on the scene from nowhere. And all of a sudden, we hear this man preaching profound lessons. I mean, hard-hitting lessons and messages from God. Zephaniah is perhaps the prophet who, who, who lays out his lineage he, in, in, in chapter, in verse 1. He lays out his lineage and, so that the people can know who's from. And I thought about that. I said, why did he have to go and spend time telling the people about his lineage in the priesthood? And I don't know this for a fact, but let me speculate for just a second. Perhaps they haven't heard good preaching for a long time. And they perhaps needed to know just what this brother and where this brother was coming from. You see, his forceful prophecies brought about uh, reform uh, to the God's people for a little while. But if you'll take a look throughout the, um, uh, throughout the, uh, the Bible, particularly uh, in the Minor Prophets and in the book of Chronicles, you'll see where God's powerful message was preached and reforms would happen. The people would be restored for just a little while and then drift right back into their same pattern of living. Kind of sounds like us sometimes, doesn't it? Sometimes we are refreshed and renewed and revived in the Lord and we do well for a period of time and then all of a sudden we drift right back into our patterns. I don't know about you, but I find that happening to me from time to time. You see, as I said before, and I'll say again, is that I never prepare a message designed to do anything but help me. And perhaps this message that was on my heart and mind uh, can help you as well. So it's a selfish sermon that I'm preaching this morning. It's for me, but hopefully it'll bless you in the, in, in, the, in the interim. But Israel was going through a difficult time in life. They perhaps had gone through a whole lot of things, if, I, if you will. And, and I was thinking about, as I did some research in this area, did you know that they had even lost God's word? They didn't even know where it was. And so a, a, a brother had to come along and find the Bible. Do you know where your Bible is? Do you pick it up every day and do you read it? And where is the word of God? They had to dust it off and a preacher come from out of nowhere to bring about some change. But God here, if you'll take a look at, those, at the scripture reading today, God was saying to, uh, to the people then, and perhaps he's saying the same to us even today, that if we do not clean up the mess in our houses, in our spiritual houses, God will deal with us. And I would much rather take a personal inventory of my life and do the things that I can to straighten myself out before God has to deal with us. Because God will not deal and will not be, God will not stand for us having our whole spiritual existence all messed up. 
I think some of us think that God's message um, is complicated. I think that uh, some of us believe that God's will is too complicated, too hard to understand, but in actuality, God's message is plain and simple. Love God and love your brothers and sisters. And if we love him, we'll stay as close as we can to his word and his holy scriptures. You see, when we open our eyes to the fact that we need a restoration in our lives from time to time, then uh, I think we'll, we'll be better off. Because sometimes the confusing messages that we get in the world can blind our eyes. Matthew chapter 15 and 4, Jesus said, And if the blind lead the blind, both will fall in a ditch. I only have two points in this message this morning, and I'll move through them uh, quite briefly if I can. My first point here is, who are we following? Think about it for a minute. Just who are we following? And who we follow will make a big difference as to where we end up. Where are we going? Are we moving about through life with our eyes closed? And which direction are we traveling in? Who is actually guiding us in our personal lives? But if we're going to be followers of Christ, we're going to have to follow Christ. And every now and then, we need a no-holds-barred kind of message to get us right with God and to point us back on the right path. You see, the people back then, they needed a message and a messenger from, like Zephaniah, a messenger a messenger who would deliver a healthy dose of reality in their modern day, much like we need it today. A real healthy dose of the medicine that we need, and that medicine has to be ingested and taken in in order for it to help us. You see, if our plans are to make it to heaven, we need someone who actually knows the way. And that one is none other than Jesus Christ. John chapter 14 and verse number 6, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man is going to make it to God unless we go through Jesus. See, many of us say that we know that Jesus is the way, but my question to you this morning is, do our actions indicate that or does our actions indicate otherwise? See, if we are followers of Jesus and... Uh, if we are followers of Jesus, then we are going to have to do one specific thing, and that is clean up our messes. See, in order to follow Jesus, we have to, we have to clean up spiritually our messes. I was thinking about uh, this show that used to come on TV. Uh, some of you may have seen it. It's called Hoarders. I look at that and I see people who just keep stuff all around. They keep junk all around the house all the time. They don't want to throw anything away. Now, there may be some mental things going on with respect to that, but if you've ever seen that show, then you kind of have an idea about what we're talking about. And I would imagine that God would see our, spirit, our, spiritual, our spiritual existence kind of like the things that I can reflect on when I think about that show, Hoarders. All of the junk around the house. You can't move around. And I'm remembering the time uh, when uh, my children were, were a bit younger. Um, and you know how kids are. They'll play with their toys, and then they'll go to sleep, and they'll just leave the toys all around the room. You know what I'm saying? And I remember one night going in to turn the light off. 
uh, in my uh, son's room, and I saw all of the toys there. So, you know, I, I go in the room and I turn the light off, you know. And as I'm walking back to my room, I step on something and almost fall over because I turned the light off. You see, if we turn lights on and if we let the sun of God shine through our lives, we can see the direction that we're traveling. And the stumbling blocks of life will be obvious to us. Yes, we, we can stumble spiritually. And we, perhaps some of us, uh, perhaps are moving through our life with our spiritual lights off. And so when we're walking around in darkness, as, we, as we've just heard, we will sometimes fall in the ditch. My question to you is, can we identify? Can we identify? Because we know that Satan has a lot of stumbling blocks out there and a lot of confusing messages that are being taught in academia and on the news and all around. In our work environments, we have all kinds of false messages that do not align with the word of God. We are bombarded with it every single day and sometimes all day. So my question is, can we identify messy people? I don't know about you, but I've had to deal with on my job some people who are messy, confusing, and, 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 and contradictory with just about everything they do. You see, can we identify messy people? I'm talking about sometimes we have people that in our lives sometimes, they will actually stab you in the back. Anybody know what I'm talking about? The backstabbers, they will stab you in the back. And I came by this morning to let you also know that not only in this world do we have backstabbers, we also in this world have front stabbers. Yes, we have people who will look you straight in the face, walk right up to you, and they mean to do you nothing but harm. They will front stab you and backstab you. Yes, I'm not talking about judging people this morning. I'm not talking about passing a final judgment on the people that we run into in the course of our lives. God will take care of that. But I am talking about identifying the mess, identifying the stumbling blocks that we oftentimes run into in our lives. Can we actually do that? I want to submit to you and suggest that we actually can because God has given us some abilities to identify and make sure that we see things so that we can avoid some of the stumbling blocks. Thinking about this guy, thinking about this guy who used to walk around town all of the time and all he would say when you'd pass him is, he's just asking a question, how old am I? How old am I? And he just would go around, just, all he would say is, how old am I? How old am I? And then he ran into this other fella who, who actually knew him. He says, I know how old you are. He says, you're 44 years old. He said, wow, that's right, that's right, that's right. How did you know? And the guy said, I know you. I know you're, I know you're 44 because I know your brother. He's 22 and crazy, and you're twice as crazy. So we can identify people by their actions and what they actually do. Think about it. Think about it for just a minute. Take simple observation of a person's actions and what they say and what they do, and then you will be able to make some determinations that might have us on a better spiritual path with God. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7 and verse number 20, Therefore by their fruits you will know them. Not me, not anybody else. You, Y-O-U, will be able to identify those people. 
Now, if Jesus said that we can do that, then forgive me and excuse me for just thinking that perhaps we may have the ability to identify messy people and the stumbling blocks that none other than Satan places out there before us. Yes, Jesus also said, reflecting back up on the man who told the joke, on the joke that I just told, by simple observation, we can determine, that brother was able to determine that that fellow was crazy. And also he was able to identify some similarities within that family. I know that when you see my, you, most of you've never met my brothers, but if you were to meet my brothers and you look at him and you look at me, you're gonna say, those guys look a lot alike. There are some physical similarities within my family. And perhaps I know that, I know that some people can't even identify our voices when, when they call on the telephone. My tone and cadence of speech is pretty much just like his. And even when we sing, we sing and we have the same kind of singing voice and speaking voice. And we even look alike because we are relatives. And I wanna tell you this too. There are some spiritual similarities that we can identify when we're locked and loaded in with Jesus. You see, everybody ought to be able to tell that you are a Christian just by the way you behave and the way I behave. So, yes, people, we can identify some things. Yes, Jesus said in John chapter 8 and verse number 44, he says, he says this while he's dealing with some people. He says, you are of your father the devil. Yes, people, I think that we can conclude that it is possible to see similarities within relatives. And additionally, we can identify the cycle of sin. That's my second point. The cycle of sin. The cycle of sin during the period of the divided kingdom, which Zephaniah is dealing with in the period that he finds himself in, it was, a, it was a, really a cycle of sin. And when you go back and you peruse through the books of Kings and Chronicles and you just kind of scan through there, you'll see an all too familiar phrase throughout those scriptures. He did evil. Speaking of the kings, he did evil like his father before him. And then you can see then that God was trying his best to deal with these people during this divided period of time, that you will see kings who were only king for a few days. And you will find that there were kings who would come on the scene who were eight, nine years old. Oh, yes, God will shake it up in, uh, in his kingdom when we do not observe what we're doing and how we do what we do. You see, if we want to be pleasing to God, we must open our eyes or turn the light on so that we can see the stumbling blocks that the devil has placed before us. We must open our spiritual hearts and minds and let the sun shine in. Yes, the cycle of sin can be observed during Zephaniah's days. And he did, his he did the best he could to express God's plain and simple word and God's pending judgment on the people. Look real quick, if you will, in Zephaniah verse number two. He says, I will utterly consume all things from off the land, saith the Lord. I will consume man and beast, and I will consume the fowls of the heaven and the fish of the sea, and the stumbling blocks with the wicked, and I will cut off men from off the land, saith the Lord. I think he's a bit upset, wouldn't you? 
And then in verse number four, he says, I will also stretch out my hand. And that doesn't mean he's going to stretch out his hand and pet him like we would our little puppy. No, God means that he's going to put something on us. Kind of like my mom had to do, uh, do me from time to time growing up. She had to stretch her hand out, get a switch, and, get, and put some get right on me. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I have personally had a spiritual spanking from God. And if you haven't had one in a while, hmm, just keep living. Just keep living. God knows how to deal with each and every one of us on our very own level. See, it says here, God says he's going to stretch out his hand upon Judah and upon all the inhabitants of Jerusalem. And I will cut off the remnant. He, oh, my goodness. He's going to cut off the remnant of those idols there. Because, see, the people had drifted into some things. And if you will research some of these idols and some of these gods that these people would worship, I mean, they had gotten into worshiping the god of fertility there in the temples and around. They had gotten into all kinds of foolishness, if you will, and all sorts of mess and stumbling blocks were way before them. And the children for generation upon generation had assumed that that was the way to worship and to serve God. This is why we need a powerful, no holes barred kind of message every now and then in order for us to wake up and not get off course like that, like that, uh, like that uh, pilot or uh, the captain on that ship, you know. You set that thing off one degree and 2,000 miles down the road, you're in a whole different place. If you don't believe me, ask Christopher Columbus about that. It goes on to say that they worship Baal uh, from this place and the, and the name of Cherim's with the priest. In verse number five, it says, and them that worship the host of heaven upon the rooftop. They'd even gotten into going up on the mount, up on the houses and praying to these foreign gods. Not only that, people, the Bible gives me the indication here when you do a little research and you'll find out that these guys had gotten into sacrificing their very own children. Yes, they'd gotten into sacrificing their very own children. Can you imagine that? How can we get so far off track that we will sacrifice our children to the false things that are being taught? I don't know about you, but I have no intentions of sacrificing my children to some of the stuff that they're teaching out here nowadays. I'm going to tell them because they're getting ready, some of them, they're getting ready to go off to college and you're going to be bombarded with a whole lot of stuff. And, 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 if, and if we don't get it right and we don't tell them exactly what God's plan of salvation is, then we will certainly get off track. And we'll be so far gone that perhaps we'll be out of reach of salvation. Now, the only way we can get out of reach of salvation, I want you to know, is for us to continue doing what we want to do, how we want to do it, on a, on a continuous basis until God says he's going to turn us over to a reprobate mind, is what we're saying here. So as I prepare for my conclusion, I want you to know here that uh, being blind is, 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 is a thing that, uh, that we don't need to... Uh, revel in for too long. We need to open our eyes. We need an eye opener. Thinking about a, a brother over here in John chapter 9. There was a blind man. He couldn't see. And uh, Jesus had come along and healed this brother. He, Jesus come along and he'd healed this brother. And then there were some people, there were some wicked leaders who wanted to question the fact that he was healed. There in John chapter 9 and verse number 33, these brothers wanted to cast this man out of the uh, temple because they didn't truly want to believe that God had healed this brother. But later on, we see that Jesus uh, uh, gave this brother his sight. And not only that, this brother had insight. 
You see, that's the beautiful thing about following God. Not only will we have sight, but we'll have insight, and we can clearly see the mess and the stumbling blocks that we've made in our own lives. Yes, later on in, that, in John, there, that blind man, he comes along and he says, he says, to, he says to those brothers, he says, yes, I believe. I believe that Jesus is the Son of God. And that's where we all need to go. We need a refresher on that. And looking back real quick in Zephaniah chapter 3, and I'm going to read these two verses, then the message is going to be yours. Zephaniah chapter 3, verse 17. And the Lord thy God in the midst of thee is mighty. How many of you all believe that God is mighty? I don't know about you, but I believe that the God that I love and serve is a mighty God who will help me during my times of trouble. It says, the Lord thy God is in the midst of thee is mighty. He will save and he will rejoice over thee with joy and he will rest in his love and he will joy over thee with singing. I don't know about you, that makes me hallelujah happy. I know a brother here would want me to say that, so I'm going to tell you. That makes me hallelujah happy to know that God is with me and he will sing a song over my asking for forgiveness and following him. It says he will rejoice and joy and sing over you. In verse 18 he says, I will gather them that are sorrowful from the solemn assembly. God is going to cover it. He's going to cover it. He's going to bring us in as he has promised you. Can you see the mess? I have a question, but as I conclude, can you see the mess that you've made in your life? Have you taken a, a, a personal inventory of what's going on in your life? What are the stumbling blocks that you foresee and see from time to time? Can you see that we need Jesus to show us the way? Didn't he tell us earlier that I am the way, the truth, and the light? No man is going to get to, if we want to get to heaven, then we are going to have to follow Jesus. Can you see Jesus on the cross? Can you vision him on the cross? And do you know why he got there? He got there because he wants to save us. He wants to remove all of the stumbling blocks so that we can see the clear path to him and make it to that ultimate resting place, which is heaven. Can you see that the blind... Can you see that the blind people, the blind people who, uh, who, just won't, who just will not open their eyes, can you see that? Can you imagine it? Do you know people who are just troublemakers? Yes, I think that if we think about it, we can certainly know and see those things. You see, as I conclude, I want you to know that Jesus loves each and every one of us. And during a time where there is so much tumult being spread about and so many false messages and false narratives that are being taught to our children in school and in our colleges and so many false misleading messages that are being spewed out on a daily basis, we need to get our eyes stayed and locked in on Jesus. If we do that, if we do that, we will be on the path for cleaning up the mess that we've made. Again, I want to extend an invitation uh, to Jesus. If you haven't obeyed the gospel, you have an opportunity to do that this morning. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by, the, and hearing by the word. If you hear, believe, repent, and confess, and then we will baptize you. Don't be concerned or don't even be nervous about the fact that you see somebody other than Chuck standing up here today. God ain't worried about it. You don't be, are, you more, are you more concerned about the messenger than the message? And I bet some of you probably thought I was going to say something different and more profound than, 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 than Chuck 
uh, uh, than Chuck or Cow says. God's message is the same and it doesn't matter who delivers it. What matters is, will you obey it? Will you come to Jesus and ask for forgiveness if your need is there for that? And if you're not a Christian, if you're not a Christian, you can be baptized. You can be added to the body of Christ. And you can have someone who is looking out for you and who will help you and he'll help me to see the mess and the stumbling blocks that are out there before us. If you're subject to the gospel of Jesus Christ, we're going to sing an invitation song right now. And I want, as you stand, I want you to uh, just uh, respond to the gospel accordingly. Amen. Brother Kyle. church. Stan, thank you for the lesson this morning. We're glad you were here worshiping with us this morning. Hope that uh, your experience here has been good. If you're visiting with us, we encourage you to come back. We appreciate your visit. Uh, we will meet again this afternoon at 5 and on Wednesday at 7. Activities today, if you are visiting, we will have a visitor's luncheon immediately following services this morning. Uh, Please be aware of that. That will be down in the fellowship hall. You are encouraged to participate in that. Also, the Ahipa devotional this afternoon at 3.30. Items for this week, uh, several things that will be going on for the youth and family. Uh, the skate day will be next Saturday from 10 till noon. And also next Sunday there will be a last leaders banquet here at the building. We have a group that will be leaving to go to the Philippines this week. Let's keep them in our prayers as they're traveling and pray for their efforts while they're there and getting the things set up that they will be working on in that location. 
Let's continue to keep the Covington family in our prayers. Corey's mom passed away yesterday. Uh, they have traveled to, to North Carolina to be there. Uh, let's reach out to them, let them know that, uh, that we're thinking about them at this time and, and help them as they go through a very difficult time in the passing of his mom. We are encouraged that you are here this morning. Uh, Bill Rayburn, I think, has some comments that he will need to make after this. Thank you, Carl. As we do prepare to uh, depart this week, going to the Philippines for a couple of Sundays, a couple of weeks, uh, we, uh, we would solicit your prayers on our behalf for safe travels and, and for productive time. But more than that, I also wanted to thank you as a congregation. A few weeks back, I stood before you and told you that we had some children who were at the children's home who were in need of sponsors. Uh, I told you that we had four children at that time that needed sponsors. And before, uh, before I left the building that day, we had five uh, families that, uh, that, that approached me and, and said they wanted to sponsor a child. We only had four children at that time, and I learned later that day that uh, another current, at another location, two families had uh, taken on two of those children, so we only had two with five respondents. Before the week was over, we had four more respondents, and so we wound up with a total of nine uh, out of this congregation. You're so generous and so loving and so kind, uh, and uh, as it turns out that uh, by, the, by the end of the next week, uh, we were informed that the government had requested that we we, uh, we take three more children, which would put us at a maximum. So now we will have five, of, uh, five families from this, actually six families from this congregation that will be supporting those five children in the Philippines. We'll bring you pictures back, uh, so you'll have pictures of the children that you're, that you're supporting, and those that, uh, that are doing that will get direct reports on the individual children that you are supporting. But I just wanted to thank you from the bottom of our heart on behalf of those children in the Philippines for uh, your generosity, for the love and the compassion that you've shown for them uh, during this time. It's been a wonderful morning together and as have already been said, visitors, we're really glad that you're with us and we hope that uh, it would meet your schedule to, to join the fo our good folks downstairs in the fellowship hall for the visitor's luncheon, it's specifically been designed for you. We hope you can attend that. We'll sing 712 for our closing song. We'll sing, let's sing the first verse only. Jesus is coming soon. Would you please stand as we sing? Troublesome times are here, filling his hearts with fear. Pray we all hold dear. Father, we're so very, very grateful uh, and thankful 
that we've had this opportunity to come and worship you. Uh, never ceases to amaze us, Father, that you take sinners such as us and wash us with the blood of your Son and make our garments white, pure white, and that you set us before your congregation at the very uh, foundation of your throne and that you look upon us as children because of what Christ has done. And instead of uh, wrath, we have peace with you. And for that, we're so very, very grateful, Father. We ask, Father, uh, that you give each and every one of us the courage and the desire to stand before your word naked, to examine ourselves, to probe our ways, to um, really find out what makes us tick, Father. When we see flaws, when we make messes, we ask that you give us the strength and the courage and the wisdom to take godly action. We realize, Father, that if we are not connected to Jesus Christ, that there is nothing good in us. We realize that without Jesus, uh, we cannot be loved or uh, love, uh, that we truly uh, don't know how to forgive nor receive forgiveness, nor do we know how to show mercy or receive your mercy unless we're connected with Christ. We, we pray, Father, that we fight earnestly every waking minute to maintain that relationship so that you can use us uh, to glorify your name and expand your kingdom. We ask, Father, as, you de as we depart, uh, that you guide our steps uh, and that you give us the strength to at all times be of maximum service to you and to others, especially the household of faith. Finally, Father, we ask a special blessing on those in our number who are fixing to go to Philippines uh, to, to uh, spread your kingdom. We pray for safe travels, but most of all, we, we pray for uh, great fruit to be born out of their labors. This is our prayer in Christ's name. Amen. <clears throat>